Well, it's a delight to be with you. It's been a little longer than usual between my visits, and so uh, we've got some catching up to do, I suppose, and I'll be doing that with some of you in the next couple of days as I'm here. But uh, I get to do today one of my favorite things when I uh, visit churches, which I do with some regularity. Um, sometimes I'm asked to, you know, uh, kind of preach sort of from the flow or direction of what God's doing, you know, in me or for me. And, uh, and then sometimes I get to just come in and contribute to what's already going on. And that's what I get to do today, and I really love that. Uh, I love the opportunity to continue this series that Mark has been doing from the Ten Commands in Exodus chapter 20. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be reading one of those commands and looking at it carefully together. We live in a society that doesn't quite know what to do with authority. (laughs) You know, um, on the one hand, um, we baby boomers just kind of decided the man was a problem and uh, decided, uh, what was the saying, nobody over 30 could be trusted And we built some things into our society that have come a cropper. Can we agree? On the other hand, (laughs) um, people in places of authority abuse it regularly and harm the very people they should be protecting and take advantage of the very people they should be uh, enhancing, right? And so, as a society, we don't know what to do with just the issue of authority and how it works and how God intends it to function in a way that blesses instead of the other things we just mentioned. And then when it comes to parental authority... uh, We have a challenge here, right? First of all, those of us who are parents um, have parented children. No, it's the most wonderful and humiliating job you'll ever have, right? Makes you question everything you thought you knew and everything you thought about yourself. And uh, it's very challenging. Here's the reality, uh, that we're going to be exploring today. The Scriptures require us to honor our parents. And too few of us have had honorable parents. And none of us have had perfect parents. But what's happened in uh, the lifetime of many of us is we've seen... Um, we've seen things change where there was once an assumption that the typical parent was honorable. And that's an assumption we just don't feel free to make anymore, do we? Uh, Those of us who believe the words we're about to read most have to admit that the presumption of honor in parents is all too often a faulty assumption. And so how do we respond to a clear command like the one we're about to read in terms of honoring our parents? You haven't wrestled with that. You haven't been paying attention. Okay? Now before we read the command, I want to just remind you of where we are in this marvelous story. Uh, God is speaking to a people, the Hebrew people, the descendants of Abraham, the one with whom God made an amazing covenant and promised to bless all the nations of the earth through his seed, through his descendants, right? And so hundreds of years later, God is dealing with the descendants of Abraham the descendants of the great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, right? Those are the fathers. If you said the word fathers to a Hebrew in this period of history, 
beside a person's own parents, his own father, that's who would come to mind. And if you read the story of Exodus uh, with any care at all, you realize that the Hebrews had completely lost the thread of the story of Abraham. When Moses came and said, uh, God, uh, God has sent me to deliver you, uh, he's, he's speaking that message to people who largely had forgotten there was a promise to Abraham, who largely had forgotten there was a God who made a covenant with Abraham and had certainly not gained their identity as the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their identity was the slaves of Egyptian pharaohs. They had lost the thread of the story and therefore they had lost the truth about themselves. They were confused and they needed to be set right. So this is a good message for us today. Agreed? And the commands that God gave that we call the Ten Commandments, the commands that God gave were a part of the grace of God so confused people could be set straight. People who didn't know their identity and who didn't know their story and didn't know how to live as free people because the, the, the centuries of slavery had gotten in their heads and gotten in their hearts and they thought like slaves and they acted like slaves. Correct? And the stories they heard were the stories of Egypt and of Egypt's gods, not of Abraham and of Abraham's God. That's who God is saying this to. And so this is true for all the commands, but in a special way for the command that we read together today. Very short text today, but very powerful. So let's read it together in verse 12. Very simply, following the command to honor the Sabbath, preceding the command against murder, God says, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit of God, we receive these words as your words to us for our good and the glory of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We would not sin against you by responding to them as anything less. Holy Spirit, breathe upon these words. Quicken our hearts, remove distractions, speak to us so that we may be corrected, instructed, inspired, whatever it is you want to do, Lord, we submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look carefully at this great command, we're going to find out today that learning to practice honor for parents grants us the enjoyment of Christ's abundance. There is a clear link in this verse between obedience to this command and enjoyment of God's blessing. As with all of God's commands and instructions, He's always doing multiple things at the same time. Say, God is a multitasker. The rest of us pretend to be. God is both bringing glory to Himself and teaching us how to be human. Teaching us how to bear His image teaching us how to be what He created us to be, not what our rebellion and sin has made of us. Agreed? And so we are going to be looking at the promise, the title I've given today's message is The Promise in Honoring Parents. There's a promise here, and it's a promise that had an immediate uh, application for the Hebrews standing at the foot, camping at the foot of Mount Sinai. But it's a promise that has an even more glorious implication 
for those of us who are lovers of and believers in and followers of Jesus Christ. So let's look carefully at that together. First thing I want you to see with me in this great command is that God's command to honor our parents trains us as His worshipers. Two things to notice about the command that will help us with this. First of all, the verb honor. (laughs) The verb itself is used... It is literally one of the weightiest words in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word is related to a word you might be familiar with. The Hebrew word kavod means glory. We usually translate it glory. But the the root meaning of the word is weighty, substantial. Sometimes... uh, You know, we'll talk in politics or business, we'll talk about someone having gravitas, right? Someone uh, that you can't ignore. You have to deal with it, right? You have to deal with their presence in a room, or you have to deal with their influence in an organization, or whatever the case may be. That is the root idea in this verb. It's, It's used of kings, it's used of potentates, and it's even used of God. Same verb, honor God, honor your father and your mother. It is not a wimpy word. It is not, by the way, it's an imperative, so it's not optional. These are not the ten suggestions, right? This is a command from God to His covenant people to treat your parents the one through whom God gave you life with due honor. And the honor that is due them is significant. The second thing I want you to notice is that this command in the order of commands, and by the way, every time the commands are said in order, this happens again later in Exodus, happens again in Deuteronomy chapter 15, this command serves as a hinge between what's called the two tables of the law, right? Uh, typically, the earliest commands are Godward, right? You shall have no other God before me. You shall make no graven images. The last Godward command is honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is, these are Godward commands. Uh, when you get to do not murder, that's pretty obviously manward, right? And all the other commands following are manward commands. This command is a hinge command. It's the hinge between God and man. Because God has strategically placed parents, listen to me, as His representatives in human intercourse. Being a parent is a weighty responsibility. The reason we feel inadequate is because we are. We're dealing with serious things when we undertake to be parents. Agreed? And as children, we have to be taught without, you know, with very little background and very little knowledge, we have to be taught to give honor because, listen to me, if you learn to honor your parents, you build the heart habits to honor and worship God. That's how God designed things. And God's design is always good, correct? And we always find a way to screw it up. (laughs) But what we're looking at here is God's design. God's design is the best thing that could ever happen to you is to learn to worship Him and to honor Him. And so God has built a system to support that objective. And the system is honor your parents. Honor them as His representatives while you learn to honor God. Does that make sense? That's God's purpose and plan. And the same God who delivers... uh, I'm sorry. The same God who delivers from Egypt requires this of you. 
uh, the commands begin with, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) That's who's delivering this command. And so, what we hear in this is, uh, I can rejoice in my salvation, but I don't get to ignore the commands of the one who delivered me. Including the command to honor parents. It's an absolute statement, is it not? In His covenant, God assigns parents as His representatives and requires their children to respond accordingly. Now, before we move on, I think it's very important to state this. God is requiring children to honor parents who are obligated to all the things God is commanding, not only in the Decalogue, not only in the Ten Commandments, but the parents are responsible for this whole covenant that God is making. Agreed? He's not telling children to honor parents who are doing whatever the heck they want. Because parents doing whatever the heck they want would be dealt with by other means within this covenant. Does that make sense? So if you remove this command from its historical and theological context, you can come up with a really perverted understanding of what parents owe their, uh, what children owe their parents. The parents we are commanded to honor are parents who are themselves submitted to this covenant. Agreed? It's an important point to make before we move on because I want you to look with me at the promise that's in this command. Obedience to this command also prepares us to inherit His gracious blessing. Don't you love it? Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land Yahweh your God is giving you. If, you're, if you don't hear the grace in that, your ears are broken. God, so, so here's what God is reminding them. God is giving you the land He promised to Abraham. The land where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob sojourned and wandered around and never possessed, you're going to possess. And he puts that in the continuous present. He is giving you this land. This deliverance out of Egypt is step one in a process that will culminate in God's giving you this land. The giving of the land, operation land giving is underway. Correct? God is giving you the land. Now the question is, how long are you going to live there? How much will you get to enjoy it? That's the question. And what he's saying is, if you don't honor your parents, you won't enjoy the land. You see the connection? There is a conditionality here. The conditionality is not, will God give you the land? The conditionality is, will you live to enjoy it? You hear me? Paul, when he quotes this verse, as he does in two places, Ephesians 6 and again in Colossians 3, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, if you want to read it again later, it will be familiar to you in the midst of giving Christians their instructions for how to organize their households he says to children children obey your parents in the lord for this is right then he quotes honor your father and your mother and then he breaks off a little gloss a little editorial comment and says which is the first command with a promise it's the first command with a promise and sure enough if you look back uh, paul's probably quoting from the deuteronomy version of this But even in the Exodus version of this, this is the first of the Ten Commands where God Himself issues a promise related to obedience to this command. Now, by the way, when you're God, you don't have to reward anybody for anything. But but when God says, if you honor your father and your mother, 
you will be rewarded. You will live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You see it? It's the first command with a promise. They are learning to live Um, they are learning how to live in the land through their obedience to parents before they get there. Okay, now as we know in the story, what should have been a journey of a few weeks turns into 40 years. But the 40 years was because of rebellion, not because of necessity. But what he wanted to establish right away is uh, honor your parents so that you will have the heart habit of honor to parents and to God that will make you a covenant-keeping faithful people in the land so I won't have to cast you out of the land. Does that make sense of the Old Testament story the way you know it? Uh, we're told actually in Ezekiel that one of the reasons God had to send Ezekiel, uh, send Israel into exile was because they didn't obey their parents. This command was broken and true to his word. God said, you, you can't live forever in my land if you're going to rebel in that way. But here's the other thing I want you to notice about this. This is a rich vein and I'm not going to explore it fully, but you can. You see what's happening here. Uh, wonderfully, God says, honor your father and your mother. He specifically states that both parents are deserving of this honor for their place in God's purpose. What I think he's doing here is he is restoring the role he gave to Adam and Eve in the garden for the new garden in Canaan. He's saying to every set of parents, your stewardship of your children's lives and their responsiveness to you as you rear them in, going back to Ephesians 6, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, right? You don't get to... Rear them in your agenda for success. You certainly don't get to rear them to make you feel good about yourself as a parent. You rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's that's your job as parents. You know what that is? That is the the, the image bearing mandate of the garden. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And, and I believe this command is a hint toward, and the promise that goes with it. Parents who do this honorably are participating in that. And by the way, I hadn't planned to do this, but man, one of the things we need to be addressing fervently in prayer is the reticence young people have to have children. <laughs> It, 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 it's a disturbing thing that's going on right now. We need to ask God to restore the sense of destiny that comes with bearing and rearing children. Amen? That's all I'll say about that. Come back and preach a really provocative sermon on another day. Now move with me. Okay, so we got this wonderful command. And what you always ask of an Old Testament passage like this, okay, that's really cool because it shows me some things about God that I might not have paid attention to before, right? But what does it have to do with me as a Christian now? Because there's a whole bunch of stuff in this older covenant that doesn't immediately apply to us. Agreed? So how do we know what to do with a command like this? Well, the best place I know to look is Jesus. How about you? So let me just call your attention to Jesus. Jesus fulfills this command by honoring his responsive family above even natural families. This is one of the most provocative and controversial things Jesus stood for in his earthly ministry. 
Now, the first thing I want to remind you of, or we want to agree on, is that Jesus does affirm the importance of this command. Jesus quotes this command favorably. Okay? This is one of the things where Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, not one jot or tittle of the law will pass away before it is fulfilled. I've come not to abolish the law, but to what? To fulfill it. So Jesus, so Jesus got on the case of some, um, of some Jewish leaders who had found a loophole so that they could take the material, you know, whether, uh, whether it was uh, other kinds of assets or, or monetary assets, certain uh, material benefits that would and should have gone to the provision for their parents, presumably elderly parents, and through a loophole, they figured out a way to give that to the temple treasury and count it all good. And Jesus said, uh-uh, or whatever the Aramaic equivalent of that is, no. And he quotes this command. You can find this in Matthew 15, 4 through 6. He quotes this command. And he says, no can do, buddy boys. Your parents deserve honor. And when it's time for that honor to be monetary and material, you don't get to use a loophole. I don't care what any lawyer tells you. Okay? So Jesus affirms it. He also affirms it when the rich young ruler comes to him. And he quotes this as part of the Ten Commands. But here's another thing he did. Which seems a little confusing to us. He challenges the absolute priority of parents and family in the lives of his followers. He says really crazy stuff like, Do not think I have come to bring peace. I have come to bring a sword. And the one who follows, and, and I, will, I will be turning sons against their fathers and daughters against their mothers and a man against his brothers and sisters. Jesus said, I'm... If, if you hear my message and follow me, it's going to bust up some of your families. What do you do with that? What do you do with Jesus affirming this command on the one hand, and on the other hand, he's not subtly busting up families. It's almost like he thinks it's a feature, not a bug. I'm going to proclaim the kingdom, and you're going to hear this uh, proclamation, and you're going to you're going to, your whole life is going to be reoriented around following me. And I'm going to say something to like one guy who says, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I, but I need to go bury my father. And he says, let the dead bury their dead. Well, particularly in Jesus' culture, that would be considered dishonorable toward a father. That would not be considering honoring fathers and mothers. So Jesus is affirming this command and redefining it, and by now we shouldn't be surprised. Correct? He is not negating it. He's redefining it for the period of His, the fullness of His kingdom. Interestingly, when Paul in Ephesians 6, starting with verse 1, I quoted it for you a moment ago, He uses two different verbs, and I I just want to make this point. He says in in, in Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The the word tekna, children, refers to children. Not adult children. Children. Little ones. Okay? And then in the very next verse, when he quotes Deuteronomy, he says, Honor your father and your mother. I propose to you that honor is an umbrella term under which the obedience of children fits. If you're a child, you honor your parents by obeying them. At some point in the process, you honor your parents in ways other than obedience. Are you hearing me? Many a manipulative parent has not made this distinction. Many a self-serving parent 
who had some agenda other than God's agenda for his or her children, believed that, in essence, their children at whatever age owed them not just respect, not just deference, but obedience throughout their adult life. And I want to say to you, I I think there's an argument to be made. You may differ. I think there's an argument to be made that at some point in your relationship with your parents, you dishonor them when you continue to behave toward them like a child. And when you don't speak to them as an adult to an adult. Because their job was to raise you to functional adulthood. And if you keep being a big baby with your parents, you are dishonoring them. You might be making them happy. You hear me? You might be making them happy at the very time you're actually dishonoring them. So, I offer that for your Berean consultation. Okay? But I believe it's an important distinction that needs to be made because we got a lot of insecure, inadequate feeling um, parents who put a lot of junk on their adult kids that doesn't belong. As long as you live, I'm sorry, as long as they live, you owe your parents honor. But at some point, honor takes a different form than outright obedience. Okay? That's my proposal to you. But I'm willing to be corrected if shown otherwise from Scripture. But let me call your attention to one last event in Jesus' life. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 12, verses 47 through 50. Jesus' mother and brothers came to him while he was ministering to multitudes. And somebody from the edge of the crowd came to Jesus and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here and they want to see you. Now, in Jesus' culture, the honorable thing to do when your mama wants to talk to you is to shut down whatever else you're doing and talk to your mama. Particularly, by the way, since apparently Joseph had deceased at some time previous to this, Jesus was the head of his family, right? He was the firstborn male of his family, and so he was responsible for family stuff. And so if Mary and uh, her other children had tracked Jesus down on the sawdust trail to, to interrupt him, culturally, he would have been expected to drop everything And he would have been considered a good son. But you know what he did instead? He publicly, okay? I presume that information came to him somewhat privately. Jesus, uh, maybe you ought to just take five. Your mother and your brothers are over here. Jesus said, hey, who are, who is my mother? And who are my brothers and my sisters? And he answered his own question. He looked at this ragtag bunch of people who had heard and believed his message about the kingdom. And he said, these are my mothers and my fathers and my brothers and my sisters, the ones who have heard and responded to my word. There is not one synagogue leader who would have given Jesus a gold star for being a son after that statement. So we have a decision to make. Did Jesus or did Jesus not honor his mother that day? Sit with that for a minute. I am willing to bet money. If I had shekels, I'd bet shekels. That Mary did not feel honored in that moment. Jesus is redefining this thing for us, saints. And it, 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 and I, I'm not presenting something to you that's easy to live out. I'm just presenting something to you that is radically liberating if you let it be. 
Let me tell you what we're going to celebrate in a moment when we take the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. The privilege that Jesus has claimed you as the family to which He owes His first love. If you are one of those who has heard His message and responded to His Word and, and left all to follow Him and, and made Him the one you understand God through and trust God because of, He has publicly claimed you as His family. And in a moment, when we invite you to this table, I recommend you skip forward as one who has been publicly acknowledged by Jesus as belonging to His family. And that's true whether you have honorable parents or not. That's true whether you've done your level best to honor your parents and they still feel dishonored. That's true whether you have been an honorable parent so far or you've made a total wreck of it. Jesus claims you as one who has heard Him and followed Him. And that's some good news for us today, isn't it? One last thing I want to remind you of. It's even bigger and better than what I've just said. Jesus... (laughs) In this new family that Jesus says, honor is still going on. It's just going on in a different way and in a different realm. All right, how many of you ever heard Jesus came and died and rose again so that you could have a relationship with God? You heard that statement? Okay, I'm going to correct that today. Jesus came and lived and died and rose again so that you could have His relationship with God. The New Testament epistles call call Yahweh, the one who issued this command, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' entire public ministry was to show us what it's like when a son lives in the light of the fatherhood of God that we just sang so rejoicingly about a moment ago. He showed us how wonderful it is to have God as your Father. And then He said, dive in, the water's fine. My Father is your Father. My family is your family. And if you've never had an honorable parent before, you now have the Creator and Redeemer and Sustainer Yahweh God as your heavenly Father. And there's nothing broken about you that cannot fix. There's nothing broken about you that having God as your heavenly Father cannot fix. Nothing broken about you as a parent. Nothing broken about you as a child. We have among our new family. Now here's here's an extra benefit. This new family that having God as our Father includes us in includes honorable fathers and mothers. Listen to this from Matthew 19. This is immediately after the rich young ruler has walked away sorrowful and Jesus has issued this statement. It's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of God. And Peter is, uh, that ain't nothing like he'd ever heard before. And so Peter spoke up. Peter, bless his heart, he gets a lot of grief for just saying what everybody else was thinking. (laughs) I don't think he was any slower than anybody else. He just said what everybody else was thinking. So Peter responded to him, look, Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? He's asking Lord, we've 
Here's a guy who wouldn't leave, he wouldn't sell what he had and give it to the poor to come follow you. But Lord, we've left everything. I left a fishing business that my daddy handed down to me. You think Zebedee felt honored that day? He said, Lord, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said to them, I assure you, listen to this, saints. I assure you in the Messianic age when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, which He does, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Listen to this. And everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters, father or mother, children or fields because of My name will receive one hundred times more and will inherit Eternal life. Now in that long list of things that we get an abundance of in the Messianic age when the Son of Man is sitting on His throne, which has happened ever since the day of Jesus ascended and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Correct? This age has begun. It's not yet culminated, but it has begun. We have among our treasures in the inheritance of the sufficiency and fullness and abundance of Christ, fathers and mothers in the faith who can reparent us. By the way, they're not perfect, but they're honorable. You don't need perfect parenting. You need honorable parenting. And if you need reparenting, you don't need perfect reparenting, you need honorable reparenting. Does that make sense? You need people who are substantially good good for what they say and who know how to repent and can teach you how to repent because if you don't know that, you ain't got a shot anyway. Correct? But listen, let me tie this together for you before we conclude. Let me tell you what this is about. Back in uh, Exodus 20, God was hinting and pointing and suggesting and training. The shadows were being, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a land to dwell in. And if you uh, honor your parents properly, you'll get to live there a long time. But you know what he was doing? He was uh, under-promising so he could over-deliver. Because the verse I just read to you in verse 29 of Matthew 19 describes the inheritance that Jesus received for fully fulfilling this law. When He was raised from the dead, He received the inheritance that no previous generation of God followers had ever been able to receive. Why? Because they had all failed. He succeeded where they all failed. And he received an inheritance that he now shares with us because according to God's word, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So his people are our people. His riches are our riches. He owns it all. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He's Lord of every nation. And you, by faith in Christ Jesus, are a co-heir with Him. And you, listen, living long in the land is good. Living forever in that inheritance is mobeta. Am I right? It is so much better because you're inconsistency, your unfaithfulness, your uh, two steps forward and one step back at best has been covered by Jesus' perfect obedience, perfect victory, and full inheritance that belongs to you as a believer in Christ Jesus. So very briefly, what does that mean for you today? If you have wrestled your whole life with what it means to honor a dishonorable 
parent or parents. Listen, some of you have dealt with foolish parenting. Parents who had their own agenda for you. And their agenda for you created lots of misery between you and your parents. Am I talking to any of the right people here? That's just foolish parenting. That's people who think, people who forget who the God is in this equation. Correct? Some of you have dealt with evil parents. I'm telling you, you have parents who did you wrong. Some of you have been abused by parents. And this command has stuck in your craw your whole life. How am I supposed to honor my abuser? It's difficult to know how to obey this if you've had that kind of parenting. Let me tell you some good news. Jesus has given you a new father. And He's given you a new family. And in that new family are imperfect fathers and mothers who are willing to honorably treat you the way your original parents were expected to treat you. One day as the Lord was teaching me some of this, I may have told you this story before, but it was a life-changing moment for me. I was pastoring a church in southwest Georgia, and I was a little out of step because I didn't have a big old pickup truck. I had a little bitty Toyota Corolla. And I was leaving the place where I had uh, coffee and and conversation with some of the men in my church most mornings. And I'm pulling out of the parking lot. And so there's a big old pickup truck that's uh, rear bumper is right in my sight line in my little Toyota Corolla. And the bumper sticker said, it's never too late to have a wonderful childhood. And I read it and chuckled, you know, bumper sticker humor. And the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. That's what I've been trying to teach you, son. There's nothing lacking in your childhood, in your upbringing. There's nothing lacking that God as your Father cannot and will not turn. Listen, He makes beauty from ashes. You say, well, ashes pretty well describes... Bring those ashes to your Heavenly Father and see what He can make of those ashes. And then one of the most beautiful things that can happen to you is when you learn to trust trustworthy people, to honor honorable people, and your whole view of the world changes just to know there are honorable people who will give themselves to you and who offer you their time and their love and their prayers and their concern. And saints, that's what the family of God has got to be about. If you're wondering what to do with your empty nest, fill it with nestless birdies. Am I right? It's not hard to find them. It's not hard to find them if you'll just listen. Just pay attention to the brokenhearted people who need the love that the Heavenly Father has taught you to give. Not perfectly, but substantively. Amen? Wouldn't you love Northridge Life to be known as that place? I suspect it is to some degree, but I want more of you. I pray for more of you. So if you've been parented by dishonorable parents, if you've been a dishonorable parent, your Heavenly Father knows and He received you anyway. He can retrain you. He can use some of those same people I've been describing to help you learn to do it better. Nobody parents well without help. That's one of the biggest lies of our culture. Nobody parents well without help. It takes more, you know. I remember my father-in-law explaining to me uh, why God gives babies to young people. He said, 
people my age put them down and forget where we left them. (laughs) But the flip side of being young when you have babies is you don't know much. You gotta you gotta learn whatever parenting responsibility you have. I just ask the Holy Spirit today to give some of you who came here hopeless hope. That the family you grew up in or the family you led is not the last word on your life. His family is now your family because He died and rose again. Aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't stingy with His relationship with the Father? His mission was to give you His relationship with the Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank You. I thank You, Lord, for the richness of Your Word and for the glory. The glory we behold when we see how good Your ways are. And Lord, we're convicted of our faithlessness when we doubt. Scriptures say, as for God, His ways are perfect. But we, we question that a lot, Lord. We, we give You lots of advice on how to run the universe. And You don't need any of it. Lord, I pray that through Your Word, by Your Spirit, a ministry of comfort and healing would happen in the hearts of many people in this room today. Lord, I also ask You that You would stir up a vision. Lord, that You would overcome the fear of inadequacy that keeps spiritual fathers and mothers from functioning as spiritual fathers and mothers in this house. Lord, would You please set us free from perfectionism that keeps us from experiencing favor and blessing. Lord, we ask You, as we receive Your broken body and Your shed blood in just a moment, because You are God, You know how to convert our faith and our eating and our drinking into ministry to our souls that is customized for the hearts we bring to You today. Only You can do that, but we expect You to do it in these moments. In Jesus' name, Amen.